This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The sponsor of the Scoop Podcast before we get to Don Lucia, Byron Buxton, and Brock Besser, and certainly a bunch of notes. The sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Gabe's by the Park, Lexington Parkway, and Energy Park Drive in St. Paul, not that far from 94 and Lexington, very, very close to Como Park, very, very close to Como Zoo, all sorts of food and drink options, happy hour daily, 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock, $5 burgers on Mondays, they have 1095 steaks on Wednesdays, plus a side. They have an extensive food and drink menu. I've talked oftentimes about their lengthy fish menu when it comes to, you know, whether it's the walleye sandwich or you want your walleye prepared a certain way. As someone who's a fish aficionado, I certainly like when I go to Gabe's and enjoy a fish sandwich or you name what you want. They have really good wings, great spot to watch a Stanley Cup Finals game, an NBA Finals game, lots going on in the month of June, NHL draft, MLB draft, NBA draft. So lots of sports happenings. They have TVs galore. Gabe's by the park, Energy Park Drive, and Lexington Parkway, nice enough to sponsor the Scoop Podcast. Like last week, let's start with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are the team that I track probably the most, although Twins is close, at least this time of the year. Certainly the Vikings will ramp up once the guys get to Mankato, even though we do have some media access these next handful of weeks with OTA practices, then into the mandatory minicamp in mid-June. On the Wolves, they had a draft workout last Tuesday. A reminder, the Wolves have made the decision to not publicly announce any draft workouts. Previous bosses, David Kahn, for instance. By the way, David Kahn now involved with a professional basketball team in Paris. Yes, David Kahn has not gone away. But anyway, David Kahn, other previous Wolves bosses, made draft workouts public, invited the media to come interview the draft prospects. Hey, it's a good chance to get some pub in the month of June and in May, when typically not a lot is going on, at least publicly. But the Wolves have chosen to not want that sort of spotlight, that sort of media coverage. So that's their choice. They certainly are entitled to that choice. So it's on reporters like me to find out if they are working guys out and who those guys are. I can tell you last Tuesday they had a draft workout that included, I don't have every single name, but I know that Emil Jefferson from Duke, Naz Long from Iowa State, Casey Hill from Florida, and Tyler Cavanaugh from George Washington were all in. Those are second-round type guys. Don't forget, the Wolves have a D-League team starting this year. In fact, there's a news conference in Des Moines on Tuesday, the 30th of May. Tom Thibodeau and Glenn Taylor will be there. They will announce the new team name, showcase the new logo. You know, NBA rosters now have a little bit more flexibility, too, where you can have two extra guys. So the Wolves have a reason to work out all these second-round type prospects or guys that will go undrafted because they'll want to fill up their Iowa roster plus with the two extra spots. So the Wolves will end up with a rookie or two in some form or fashion, whether they keep the seventh pick or they end up dealing that pick. But one way or another, whether it's post-draft or acquiring a second-round pick, look for the Wolves to bring in a guy or two or maybe even more than that after the 
the draft or the night of the draft if it is indeed acquiring a second-round pick because of the D-League affiliation now. So the Wolves had that draft workout on Tuesday of last week. Tuesday, it would have been, what, the 23rd of May. On Wednesday, the 24th of May, Tom Thibodeau, Scott Layden, Noah Kroom, and others from the Wolves went to Virginia for the Jim Tanner Pro Day. They have Jared Allen from Texas. They have Justin Jackson from North Carolina and others. Then Thursday of last week was the XL Sports Management Workout featuring Malik Monk from Kentucky, Henry Giles from Duke, also TJ Leaf of UCLA. Then on Friday was the Priority Sports Workout in Chicago. I know Tom Thibodeau made it to that one. So Tibbs was all over the place last week, then all over the place this week, Des Moines, then out west. We'll get to the out west schedule in a second. But on Friday at the Priority Sports Workout, he got to see Zach Collins of Gonzaga among many, many guys. Walton, the point guard from Michigan, many, many guys Priority Sports has. As for this week, the Wolves will have heavy representation on Wednesday at the Wasserman slash Scott Nichols workout. Also another agency, Todd Ramasar, he has... His guy's working out in the afternoon. So this is out in the Los Angeles area. Wasserman slash Scott Nichols at 9 a.m. I guess it would be 9 a.m. L.A. time on Wednesday. Then Todd, the agent Todd Ramasar, his agency has its workout a pro day, 2 o'clock to 3.30. Then on Thursday, the 1st of June, Octagon slash Bill Duffy. Friday, June 2nd is the Andy Miller Agency pro day in Las Vegas. Then Saturday, June 3rd, the Happy Walters slash Creative Arts Agency workout in Thousand Oaks, California. Happy Walters has De'Aaron Fox among his clients. That will be the only time the Wolves will get a look at De'Aaron Fox. I am told De'Aaron Fox will not come to Minnesota for a workout. Zach Collins of Gonzaga, I am told, is locked in for a Wolves workout on Monday, June 5th. He will visit Mayo Clinic Square on Monday, June 5th. The Wolves are still trying to finalize a date to bring in Dennis Smith Jr., the point guard from North Carolina State. So he will come in at some point. He has agreed to come in. They're just trying to match up some scheduling on that front. Also, I know Marketing from Arizona, Isaac from Florida State. Those are guys the Wolves are hoping to bring to Mayo Clinic Square. They should be able to bring both those guys to Mayo Clinic Square for workouts. Haven't heard of a date figure the first or second week of June. As for Jason Tatum of Duke, I am told he will not come to Minnesota for a workout. He's looking at being a top five pick. No reason for him to come to Minnesota for a workout. Trainer Drew Hanlon is back in the gym with Andrew Wiggins. Heavy emphasis on Andrew Wiggins' shot and his ball handling. He wants to get lower on his dribble. There's video all over Facebook if you want to see it. I can tell you from text messaging with Hanlon, he says Wiggins is as determined as ever. Really feels like entering year four in the NBA, it's time to be an all-star. Felt like last year there was a legit chance to be an all-star, didn't make the all-star team. He has a strong, strong desire to be an all-star in year four. All signs continue to point to the Wolves offering Wiggins the five-year max before the start of next year. ESPN New York with the report last week about Derrick Rose, how the Wolves will have some free agent interest in Derrick Rose. I can tell you that did not originate from anybody with the Wolves. It could be B.J. Armstrong, Derrick Rose's agent. Could be somebody with the Knicks potentially hypothesizing. You know, there is the natural connection, Tibbs and Derrick Rose. Could I see Derrick Rose potentially ending up here? Yeah, I wouldn't dismiss it. Do I think he's a Wolves top free agent priority? No, I do not. I don't see Derrick Rose ending up here if Ricky Rubio is still on the roster. But if they end up moving Rubio, if they're looking for a veteran presence, sure, you could connect logically those dots. But I don't think, from my intel, that Derrick Rose is a top free agent priority 
come early July. Jonathan Simmons of San Antonio is an interesting free agent name, restricted free agent. You have the Brian Pauga connection. He was part of discovering Simmons as the GM of the Spurs D-League affiliate. You know, if the Spurs end up making a strong run toward Chris Paul or another big-name free agent, ESPN, Mark Stein of ESPN, saying that the Spurs have legitimate interest in Chris Paul, that Paul may end up leaving the L.A. Clippers, although he can make a lot more money if he stays with L.A. But if he ends up leaving the Clippers, signs with the Spurs, they would have to renounce some guys, including Jonathan Simmons. If Simmons is available, if there is the thought that the Spurs will not match an offer, although they can only match up to so much, by the way, but he is a name to watch. Even though the Wolves are looking to add certainly some shooting, he is not a good shooter. I'm telling you, Scott Layden, Brian Pauga, their connection to Simmons, you know, entering the prime of his career, late 20s, brings some toughness, certainly can defend. You know, there is a thought, how will he be outside of Greg Popovich's system? But he is a name to watch come this summer, certainly if the Spurs end up with Chris Paul. If they don't, I just don't see how Simmons doesn't end up back in San Antonio. Epe Udo has an NBA out, played really well for the team that Nemanja Bialica used to play for overseas. His camp realizes the Wolves have a need for his skill set. They also realize the Wolves have really good cap space. Again, I don't think Udo is, you know, much like Derrick Rose, put it this way. I don't think Udo is a top Wolves free agent target, but a name to watch if they swing and miss on others on Ricky Rubio trade talk ESPN New York also volunteering the information that they believe the Knicks will make another run at Rubio this summer I'll just continue to say that I do believe at some point Jeff Schwartz Rubio's new agent will reach out to the Wolves and encourage them to potentially make a move do I think Ricky Rubio is open to a trade I do does it mean that Tom Thibodeau is giving away Ricky Rubio absolutely not the Wolves are not giving away Ricky Rubio the Wolves are comfortable heading into next year if they don't get the right offer starting the year with Ricky Rubio but I'm just telling you they shopped him in February I continue to expect them to shop him this summer I don't think they are married to Ricky Rubio like they are to Andrew Wiggins Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns All right, let's get to Gophers hockey. They should be announcing a new assistant coach in the next 10 to 14 days. There's always something going on, right? I mean, college hockey is just about a a nine-month-a-year sport, but there's always something going on, summer workouts. You know, in this case, you know, Mike Gensel rooting on his son Jake in the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, Don Lucia just got back from Alaska. We always wonder about Don Lucia's future. How much longer does he want to coach? So there's always something, right? There's always some sort of talking point with Gophers hockey. They have the star of their recruiting class for this year right now in Buffalo at the NHL Draft Combine. So lots going on. I had a chance to catch up briefly last week with the head coach, Don Lucia. Here's my conversation with Don. You like doing these events, Coach? Yeah, yeah, these are great. It's really fun to get out uh, in the communities around the state of Minnesota because uh, it reminds me of when I grew up because you're a Gopher fan, but I lived in northern Minnesota, so you maybe came down once or twice a year, but yet you follow the team. So it's an opportunity. As I sat with one of the uh, couples in there that we were here last year that, you know, it was fun for them. They weren't necessarily hockey fans, but they sat at my table and got to know me and, 
you know, they commented, I'm just a regular guy. I said, it's just my job. I'm just a regular guy. And, uh, they, you know, they follow the hockey this year for the first time. So it's fun to get out with these fans. What do they oftentimes tell you? I mean, is it congratulations on a good year or, hey, wish you guys would have gone further? What do they, what do they bring up with well, you? Well, I think uh, most of the time they're just uh, they're gopher fans and they don't get a chance to rub elbows with the, the coaches, administration, with the athletic department. They might come up to a game or two, uh, whether it's a football or hockey, basketball, whatever sport they, they, that they follow. And uh, it's just a chance to be able to sit around and, and have interaction with the athletic department, which is a good thing. You big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I mean, obviously the connection to Jake Ansel, Phil Kessel. Yeah, a big Pittsburgh fan, and uh, you know Mike's finding out that uh, he's no longer Mike Gensel. He's uh, Jake Gensel's dad. So you know he's moved down in the totem pole. But it's exciting, and you know obviously happy for Phil, and and certainly for Jake watching him grow up like he has ar- around our program and seeing him in the weight room. And he's such a always was a really smart kid. And uh, you know when Sidney Crosby likes playing with you, you got to have a pretty good hockey IQ. So you know we're hoping the Penguins can win the cup this year you close to filling the grant petoni assistant spot yeah we're in the process right now that uh, i've talked to you know three or four good candidates right now and you know i've been out of town the last couple weeks so i hopefully have that done in the next couple weeks but happy for grant disappointed we lost him uh uh, has a great young coach and uh really happy that uh, he became the head coach at northern michigan and he's got big shoes to fill but uh we're excited to to figure out who the next coach will be almost overwhelming the amount of interest in that position yeah there is but like anything else that uh uh, you know the application's open till filled. There's a there's a lot of a lot of interest. Uh, we got to make sure that we have the right fit. So Mike and I have uh, had a lot of talk about who we think the right fit will be moving forward. The recruiting class you have coming in. It's got a lot of people excited. Yeah, we're excited about the guys that we have. Uh, you know, obviously Casey's a, a headliner, but uh, you know we got a, we've got a goaltender coming in that uh, just led their team to the RBC Cup here. Um, played like 75 games. We're excited about him, and um, you know, with the defenseman and, and Reedy both played uh, with the U.S. Under 18 team. McManus has Game Five here in the USHL playoffs for the championship uh, this week. So guys are still playing hockey. It's hard to believe that they're still involved in their own playoffs. So good group coming back, but like anything, you know, you have to have good leadership, and I think we'll have that next year. I mean, Casey might go really, really high in that draft, right? I mean, yeah, he's got he a top five, top ten type player. Well, you know, it all depends. It's got to be the right fit for the right person. So you know, obviously Casey. He had a tremendous year, helped himself by playing in the USHL to begin the year, went back to, to high school, you know, to try to win a state championship. And, you know, even though they didn't, I told him how proud I was of, of uh, the reason he did go back with his buddies. And then he went back to USHL and finished strong again. So a lot of people like him. He's got a lot of potential. And, you know, he's a class kid, too. Had that conversation with Don early last week on the Gophers road trip in Winona. Since then, McManus, the incoming Gophers recruit, won a championship he plays for chicago won that championship so that happened in the time since i talked with don lucia on casey middlestead he right now is in buffalo at the nhl draft combine ryan paling of st cloud state and lakeville north there as well both those guys expected to go first round middlestead has a chance to go very very high but it's a pretty darn good year for local draft talent local nhl draft talent that is on the wild i am told the plan is to retain restricted free agents mikhail grandland nino niederreiter i know those two are coming up in different trade rumors it's that time of the year certainly the wild chuck fletcher who's in buffalo so imagine you have all these front office types in buffalo right now they are talking daily 
So the Wild are having all sorts of trade dialogue, but I'm told internally the expectation is they retain Granlund, they retain Niederreiter. Also on the NHL front, had a chance to catch up recently with Brock Besser, 20 years old, won a national championship two years ago for the University of North Dakota, the pride of Burnsville. He got drafted in the first round a few years ago by Vancouver, signed with the Canucks immediately after North Dakota season ended in March, ended up making his NHL debut in late March at the XL Energy Center against the Wild. Not only made his debut on that Saturday afternoon, but scored a goal. His team won. The Vancouver Canucks won that game. It was a storybook day for Brock Besser, which included his mom and dad going in the locker room beforehand and reading the starting lineups that included him at right wing. So it was an unbelievable day. I had a chance to sit down with Brock, relive that day, talk about his nine games in the NHL, how he wants to make the Vancouver Canucks team out of training camp come October, and all sorts of other topics. Here's my conversation with Brock Besser. Brock, let's just go sequentially. Take me through that time frame when your North Dakota season ends, certainly prematurely, right? I mean, you thought you guys would win another national championship. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Season ends, next thing you know, you're playing in an NHL game. Yeah, it was a crazy 24 hours. Just going back to that Boston game, We, I mean, we thought we won there in overtime. We scored and they waved it off and then we ended up losing. And then just right after, I went back with my North Dakota team to Grand Forks and uh, went, tried to, tried to sleep, only got a few hours of sleep and then hopped on a plane the next morning and came in. Uh, my agent picked me up and we went straight to, to the XL and I had to get ready right away to play the afternoon game. I mean, unbelievable timing, right? I mean, you easily... You probably knew there was a chance you would sign and you would play in the NHL as soon as the North Dakota season ended. But how about just the perfect circumstance of it being against the hometown team? I mean, it could have been against the Bruins, the Mm -hmm. Blackhawks, you name the team. just so happens it's here in your hometown. Yeah, uh, just to play my first NHL game was a dream come true. And to have it be in Minnesota where all my friends and family could come and watch it, uh, I couldn't have played out perfectly. Uh, it was a great day, and uh, you know my family and I really had a blast. And uh, you know, just looking back at it, uh, it's just a fantastic time. I mean, if you were writing a movie script, could you have written it any differently? I mean, you score, you win, right? I mean, the Wild are fighting for their playoff positioning at that point. That was a key game for the Wild. You know, Vancouver. You don't know what to expect, but Vancouver, low in the standings. Mm-hmm. But you guys. You guys played an unbelievable game that day, and you score. Yeah, uh, I don't think you could have wrote wrote it any better. It, it was, uh, you know, a dream come true. And just looking back at it, uh, it was just a, it was probably the most fun time in my life, or the greatest day of my life. Uh, just the Canucks having my dad in before the game, or not just my dad, my mom too, and reading starting lineup, and you know, just everything played out perfectly that day. When did you find out that mom and dad would be in the locker room reading the starting lineup? Uh, when they were walking in, I, I actually had no idea. And uh, Willie just said we had a special special guest introducing starting lineup, and then I saw them walk in, and then I started to get a little emotional there. Uh, but uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, so you had no inkling whatsoever. What was that first thought when you saw your mom and dad walking in the locker room? I honestly started tearing up at first, but but then I had to hold it back because we were about to go on the ice for a game. But I was just trying to take everything in, and uh, you know, it was just 
I can't thank the Canucks enough for what they did for my parents. Good group of guys. I mean, there's some veterans in that locker room. Sometimes they look at the 20-year-old and say, ah, you know, but did the teammates welcome you with open arms? Yeah, uh, everyone on the Canucks team were, and just not just the teammates, but the staff as well were great to me. Uh, they welcomed me with open arms and uh, just looking back at it, uh, I couldn't have walked into a greater group of guys. Then you ended up playing, what, eight more games. So you played, what, nine games total. Mm -hmm. What were those next eight games like? Uh, I mean, obviously it's a little different because, as you know, I was running on a ton of adrenaline the first game. But uh, just looking back at it, I think uh, just getting that experience, uh, just learning from the older guys like the Sedins and uh, even Bo Horvat, he's a young guy. Uh, just they kind of taught me, you know, the NHL way and what you have to do to be in the NHL and stay in the NHL. And I think the experience was just great to get out of those next eight games. You scored three more goals. I mean, four goals total in nine games. It's a pretty good rate at scoring goals. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to show up to the rink every day and work hard. And luckily, uh, uh, I mean, I got some power play time with the Sedins, and uh, I just I got to play with Bo Horvat. Uh, obviously, he's an NHL All Star and. Uh, you know, I just try to go to the rink every day and work hard, and you know, luckily I got I got some you know goals there in those last few games. But did you know always I could play at that level? Whether it was World Juniors, the success you had in North Dakota, did you always know? Hey, once I get to the NHL, I'll be there to to prove myself, and I'll be able to prove myself. Nothing is going to be too big a stage for me. Yeah, I think personally that's how I kind of look at things. I think you know I always that's just kind of my mentality is I always. You know, I want to be one of the best guys out there and work hard and you know, try and prove myself. Uh, and I think you know, I maybe thought that I could play in the NHL because uh, in the summers I skate with NHL guys, even though they might not be trying as hard. But you know, just kind of you know, learning from them and all that, I think it's definitely helped me through this whole process. What makes your shot so good? Not only so good, so accurate. I mean, a lot of guys have a good shot. They can't always put it on net. You have a really good shot that is really accurate. Um, I think it just goes back to the days here at Burnsville. Uh, we have a training center across the parking lot from, uh, you know, the rink, and uh, we always used to shoot pucks. Our, our peewee coach growing up always used to uh, show us how to do that snapshot, and just back at home, I always shot pucks in the garage. I broke a lot of things in my garage, and my parents weren't happy about back then, but I'm sure uh, they don't care now. <laughs> <laughs> how about the craziness of the year, right? I mean, you missed... A good amount of games. Was it a wrist injury? Yeah, uh, I had a wrist injury right before Christmas. Uh, broke a bone in, in like my hand slash wrist, and I had a surgery, and they had to take that part of the bone out. And it just had to be the craziness of emotions, right? I mean, you would have played for the World Juniors. Yeah, yeah. So the plan was, you know, at first we thought it was tendonitis, so I was planning on playing, but. Uh, then we found the broken bone, so I had to have surgery right away and had to miss World Juniors. So, I mean, it was it was kind of tough to you know miss that, and because it's my last year to be able to play, and they obviously won gold. But uh, it was the right thing to do, I think, personally for me, and uh, to prepare for the second half for my North Dakota team. Was there some uncertainty though? I mean, you know, did you always know, hey, the wrist will heal, I'll be back, or was there a mental hurdle you had to overcome? Not yeah. fully knowing if the wrist would get back to, to where it was. Yeah, I think, you know, second half, obviously, it still bothered me at some points uh, just because, you know, I'm recovering from an injury. Uh, and that's this past year is kind of my first year going through an injury that was kind of the whole season. 
So I think it was definitely a mental battle to get through that. And I, I think at some points it, it did get to me and I didn't play my best hockey, but I think at the end of the year, I kind of got over that hurdle and was playing my best hockey. What was the NHL absolutely on your radar? I mean, we talked last summer when we connected and you said, you know, there's certainly a chance after year two I would go ahead and sign with Vancouver. Mm -hmm. But when did it become more and more reality? I mean, was it February? Was it March? Was it earlier than that? Um, I, th I think later in the year. I try not to focus on that during the year. I try to just take everything a step at a time and focus on my North Dakota team. Uh, and obviously I wanted to focus on winning another national championship with uh, those guys because, uh, you know, winning a national championship my freshman year, I learned that, you know, it's, you'll become close to those guys the rest of your life. So. Uh, you know, that was my main focus, but, uh, you know, I think it started becoming re reality towards, uh, you know, I think obviously right when we lost because I didn't want to think about it. What was it like going back to campus? So you play nine NHL games. You're a professional athlete, and then you go back, and you're with your college buddies, and you're walking, you know, through campus, going to different classes. What was that like, those, those few weeks that you went back to school? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much the same as before, uh, you know, just going to class with all the buddies. Uh, people really don't stop us there at school. They're, they're usually pretty good about that. But, uh, you know, just going to class, I mean, it's nice to be able to go back there and see all my friends and my teammates uh, and, you know, get my credits as well. How many times, though, did, did that game at the X come up? I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it is wild country up there in North Dakota. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would think there's a lot of people that said, whoa, how cool was that to score that first goal at the X? Yeah, I mean, uh, right when I got back, I think it was talked about a lot at first with my, you know, the first time I see my friends and all my teammates. But uh, after that, I think it was just back to me being a normal college student with the rest of my buddies and, you know, just enjoying my last few uh, months there. Have you gone back and watched that first goal? Yeah, uh, I saw that uh, the Canucks put a really good video out on my whole day there. And I think that was really, uh, it just kind of shows my first day, like in the NHL and, you know, how, how tremendous uh, that day was. Take us through. Do you remember exactly how you scored that goal? Yeah, uh, uh, my line mate Sven uh, blocked that shot and I think his stick broke and made a tremendous play and kicked it to me somehow and I saw Bo Horvat skating uh, up the right side so I just chipped it to him and I saw he had a breakaway so I don't know I just started <laughs> skating going to the net and luckily the puck was just sitting on the goal line and I'd say that was pretty much a gift there. What's the focus this offseason? I mean, I would think mentally the focus is I'm not going to Utica. I don't want to play in the AHL. I'm mm -hmm. an NHL player, but no guarantees. Yeah, no guarantees at all. I mean, those nine games uh, was great for me for experience, but uh, I need to prove myself again. So I have to have a hardworking summer this summer and working out and getting stronger. And uh, I think just learning uh, you know, in those nine games of being bigger, stronger, uh, you know, you've got to be tougher in front of that. You always just got to work on, on little stuff. And, you know, I think I got to do all that this summer and prove myself again next year. Did you always know that you had to work on those things, or did it become even more magnified once you played those nine NHL games? Uh, I think I always knew that you always have to keep working on the little things, but I think it was still an eye opener that you have to get bigger and stronger, you know, on the wall and from the net and stuff like that. So I think it was definitely. Uh, Know, really good that I had that experience. You have a new coach, right? Yep. So is there some uncertainty there? I mean, I know he's from the organization. He was coaching in, in Utica, so I'm sure he's well aware of you, but 
Is there some uncertainty there, not knowing fully what to expect with, with a new coach? Um, I mean, not so much. I'd, I'd just look at it the same way. I'd just go in, go in there and you know, work my hardest and try and earn my spot and prove myself all over again. Because uh, I would have had to do that if, uh, you know, Willie was still there no matter what. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Have you talked to the new coach? Uh, I haven't talked to him yet, but I know him from past development camps. So, I mean, there's already a relationship. Yeah, that's a good point when you go up there in the summer. Mm -hmm. So I suppose that does help that there is a pre-existing relationship. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's you know, the, a huge part of development camps. You know, they teach you, you know, what you have to do to become an NHLer, and they try and help develop you, and then you also get to build those relationships with all those coaches and all the staff. I imagine it's crazy playing in any Canadian city, whether it's Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, mm -hmm. but certainly Vancouver. I mean such a hockey town you know much like here you know the Vikings are first and foremost right yeah. and every team slots in thereafter mm -hmm. I would think in Vancouver it's the Canucks and everybody slots in thereafter yeah uh, obviously being a Canadian town it's one of those you know high markets for hockey and there it's hockey first I think and then it goes down from there but uh, they're dedicated fans and uh, you know that's what I love uh, just growing up in Minnesota and then going to play North Dakota and now hopefully Vancouver is uh, you know, I can, you know, I'm, I'm blessed, in, blessed in a way, and, you know, I can be more excited for my future. Are you back living at home for the time being? Yeah. Got to come home, and now I get to spend a few months uh, with my family at home this summer. What's that like? I mean, have there been some, some fun conversations at the dinner table with mom and dad talking about your NHL experiences? Yeah. Uh, when I got home, I got to go out to uh, dinner with my parents and kind of just talking about, you know, all that and just kind of highlighting it was uh, pretty cool. How's your dad doing health-wise? Uh, he's, uh, he's doing all right. Uh, he actually just got diagnosed with some cancer, so he's going through chemo and radiation right now. And uh, You know, he's, he's been battling. He always has been with Parkinson's and stuff, uh, but, you know, he's a strong guy, and he'll get through it. I mean, an inspiration to you when you see him battle the way he does, you know, I mean, it has to serve as some sort of inspiration for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just know everything he's gone through uh, you know I look up to him and you know he battles hard and you know that just shows me that that's the type of guy I want to be uh, you know when I get older and uh, you know he means a lot to me and not just him but my mom too my mom works extremely hard so you know, I couldn't be more thankful for them we talked about that last summer that your mom works multiple jobs is she still maintaining that that crazy work schedule yeah uh, she's still working hard uh, you know so that's that's my my goal is to help her out, hopefully, if I can make the Canucks next year so she doesn't have to have that heavy workload anymore. Do you have a sense whatsoever how that will play out? I mean, I would think Vancouver fans are just clamoring, saying, look at the way he played those nine games, look at the makeup of our roster. How would he not be here to start next season? Yeah, uh, I know where you're coming from uh, and where fans come from, but, uh, you know, it's a business and you have to prove yourself. Uh, and, you know, that experience was great for me, and it showed me what I have to be, you know, what type of player I have to be and what I have to do to stay in the NHL and make the NHL. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to go back there and prove myself and, you know, hopefully make that uh, open, opening day roster. Did I see on Twitter or somewhere else that you reconnected with, with the special young lady you took to prom? Yeah, uh, her mom ordered her jersey for her birthday, so that was a special video, and then when I got back to Grand Forks, I got to go see the family and sign the jersey for her. 
I mean, is that a lifelong friend? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think they're going to come out. Uh, if I make Vancouver next year, I think they're going to come out there and uh, watch them, uh, watch a few games if uh, they can, you know, plan it right. But uh, yeah, I'll definitely stay in contact with them for the rest of my life. How special is it being one of the Minnesota, the, the Twin Cities-based, you know, young men that, that has reached the NHL level? I mean, there are so many. You know, we're talking over 250. But to be in that fraternity, to be one of, you know, the Minnesota kids, you know, or Twin Cities-based kids, to make it all the way to that level when, you know, heck, how many kids play hockey from three, four years old up and always have that dream, can't quite get to that level you have? How special is that for you? It's, you know, it's really special. And just coming from a hockey state of, you know, Minnesota and all the kids that play here, it's uh, just no, it's really special. I can't. I can't really explain it because I'm, you know, I'm really lucky and blessed. Uh, you know, I'm really happy that I got to grow up in Minnesota. You got anything, Jeff? Who's the coolest person that reached out to you when uh, you made your debut and you heard that they were happy with how things went? Was there anybody that reached um, out to you, a player? Yeah, well, uh, celebrity or somebody that reached out to you and go, "Wow, congratulations to you!" Yeah, there were a few different players that uh, said congrats to me. Uh, Zach obviously said congrats with me, and I trained with him in the summer. And then um, guys like Brent Burns said congrats on the ice. Marion Gabrick, uh, you know my idol growing up, said congrats to me on the ice. And uh, I think that's that's about it. I think there's a few other guys that I already knew, but uh, those are the main guys that I was like, that, "This is pretty cool." What are your thoughts about how Jake Gensel is able to play and what he's able to achieve? I mean, I, I kind of look at him and look at you and the fact that it seems like they're playing pretty loose because everybody's looking at Crosby, everybody's looking at the star player where you can just kind of play freely. How have you seen how your success maybe and his success kind of parallel? <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, I know Jake pretty well and he's a great player and I played against him when I was at North Dakota and we all knew he was a great player. And, you know, he tore up the AHL, so I, I expected he would do the same at the NHL level, and uh, just what he's doing right now in the NHL just proves that he's a tremendous player. Do you religiously watch the playoffs? Like, will you watch Pittsburgh-Ottawa tonight, for example? Yeah, uh, whenever there's a game on, me and my friends always try watching the games, and, uh, you know, we're, we all have, like, our different teams we're rooting for, but, uh, you know, it's a fun time when we get to get together and uh, watch playoff hockey. What's that like watching with your friends? Maybe they played with you growing up, but they're not NHL players. You are. I mean, do yeah. you watch a game from a from a different perspective, knowing that you've played at that level? I'm I'm trying to learn, uh, like, just playing in the NHL. It's, I still watch NHL hockey, the playoff hockey, and I don't really think I played in the NHL still because it's just you know it's so much different. I wasn't there for a full year, so it's still kind of surreal uh, to me. But uh, it's also pretty cool. So you guys did play the Kings there, one of those final nine games when, when Mary and Gab were connected with you? Yeah, uh, on the ice we were at a face-off dot. He said welcome uh, to the league, and I told him he was my idol growing up, so it was uh, pretty cool to have him say that to me. Wait, what was the look on his face when you said, hey, Marion, you were my idol growing up? Yeah, he, just, he said I had great times there, I'm pretty sure. And uh, Yeah, that was just pretty cool to line up against him and play against him. Any other North Dakota guys reach out to you? Did Taves reach out to you? Uh, no, he didn't. Any other guys though besides Zach? 
Uh, well, I mean, just like when I, whoever I played, guys on other teams, uh, just said congrats that I know. So uh, it was pretty cool. Is the plan again this summer to connect with Zach? Yeah, I, I work out with those guys in the summer. So uh, I'll hopefully see them here in the next month or so and start training with them again. Who's the full list? So Zach, who else is well, there? Well, there's a ton of guys like Zach, uh, TJ Oshie, Justin Falk, uh, Porter Malone, other North Dakota guys. So it's a really good group. And then other guys come scale it, like Stepan and McDonough join, you know, join that list. So it's a pretty good group to train with. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, for your development, you're right. Being able to skate with those guys the last handful of summers, yeah. it's a little different, right? I mean, it had to help the adjustment, even when there's 19,000 people looking at you and you're playing in an actual NHL game. Yeah, for sure. Just skating with them all these summers kind of showed me how hard they work and what they do to maintain their level of play and how they take care of their bodies and everything they do, I think, has just taught me, you know, what I have to do to be an NHL player. A very humble young man, Brock Besser of Burnsville. Always love talking to hockey guys. Hockey guys just seem to get it. They're very, very humble, very, very kind. Certainly a different breed of athlete when it comes to hockey guys. By the way, off camera, Besser was all excited that one of his buddy's moms got them a hotel room. He was going to a wedding that upcoming weekend in Maple Grove. So his buddy's mom got them a hotel room so they didn't have to drive back to Burnsville late at night. Just hilarious. A professional athlete all excited that his buddy's mom got them a hotel room. I love the youthfulness. Hey, this is Derek Wetmore, the original host of the Sports Over Beers podcast. I have lent out the microphone to a few of my buddies here at 1500 ESPN and Podcast One. We do a weekly beers sports-themed discussion. Check it out on the Podcast One Network, 1500ESPN.com, or on iTunes. It's laid back sports talk. I modified my wristwatch so that it always reads game time. Every memo I write at the office is written on poster board, and you can read it from 100 yards away. My heckling once made an umpire reverse a call. Granted, he may have come to the conclusion on his own, but I'd like to believe it was me. Why? Because I live to see my team live. Sports fans, there's no better place to get tickets for sports, concerts, theater, and more than at VividSeats.com and the Vivid Seats app. Support for this podcast comes from Driscoll's. Standing by the promise of only the finest berries for over 100 years. Life is sweeter when you berry together. Enter Driscoll's Minnesota Berry Together sweepstakes for a chance to win a fun family getaway at one of Minnesota's favorite family destinations. No purchase or payment necessary to enter or win. Learn more at BarryTogether.com. All right, let's move on to the Twins draft buzz had mentioned previously, whether it was on 1500 ESPN or Scoop Podcast episode, I don't know, 76 or 75, that the Twins would watch Hunter Green throw on June 9th, three days before the first round of the draft. It turns out, the LA Times first on this, I can confirm it, that Hunter Green is flying to Target Field to throw for everybody in the Twins front office on June 9th. So instead of throwing for a number of teams on June 9th, that was the original plan. That now has turned into a private workout for the Twins. The Twins will have some other guys there as well working out in front of the Twins brass, but the headliner is Hunter Green. So does that mean he's been eliminated from their draft board? No. Would I make him the favorite to go one overall? No. The Kyle Wright of Vanderbilt steam is legit. You know, Brendan McKay, Darren Johnson was at the ACC tournament last week. 
The velocity was up a bit. The bat still translates. I mean, make no mistake, most people in baseball feel like batting-wise, McKay has a very bright future, but the arm is still translatable, maybe even to the major league level, but the velocity has been off. But the velocity was back last week in the 90, 91, 92 range. You know, his previous start, it was more like 87 to 89. You know, I've said this before. If the Twins decide to go McKay one overall, initially they would have him do both. Eventually they would make a decision, and I'm sure they love the bat. You know, how would you not love the bat? But there's no reason to make a determination on June 12th. If the Twins on June 12th, Monday, June 12th, say with the first pick, we select Brendan McKay of Louisville, there's no reason to make a final determination that night. You know, you would have a deal cut whoever they end up with, Wright, McKay. You know, if it happens to be green, if he impresses them on June 9th, not quite sure what he could show them on June 9th that they don't already know. I mean, there are concerns about him only throwing 28 innings this year. There are concerns about his off-speed stuff. But if for some reason they gravitate toward him in that private workout on June 9th, decide to go green, whoever it is, the idea is to sign that player for below slot value. Slot value is approximately $7.7 million. The Twins want to sign whoever they take for below that, then translate that money, whether it's pick 35, pick 37, or somewhere else, whether it's second round, third round, so on. I guess 37 would be second round. But you get my point where they can invest that money in a middle round pick, middle round of the top 10 rounds. You know, So they could sign somebody for over slot value, multiple players for over slot value by saving a few hundred thousand dollars on pick one. So also, you know, the negotiation comes into it. They may favor Kyle Wright, but if Kyle Wright's representative at Creative Arts Agency says, no, we want $7.7 million dollars. And if Matt Sosnick, who is helping represent Brendan McKay, says, yeah, we'll sign for $6.8 million, $6.9 million, that will factor into who the Twins take one overall. But do I believe the Kyle Wright's team is legit? Is it very possible that Kyle Wright right now is number one on their board, the Vanderbilt pitcher? Yes, absolutely. More draft steam, then we'll get to some other Twins notes. Sam Carlson of Burnsville continues to look like he will be the first ever Minnesota high school pitcher to go in the first round of the draft. Now, MLB.com recently had him as the 15th best prospect in the draft. ESPN.com had him as the 15th ranked prospect in the draft. Do I think he goes as high as 15? Absolutely not. Now, the buzz is at least one team has him in the teens on their draft board. I can tell you that three other teams have him in the 20s on their draft boards. I think the most likely scenario is he goes late first round, somewhere in that 23 to 31 range unlikely he gets to the twins at 35 but i guess i can't completely dismiss it his last start last week was just okay for his standards i mean he has such a high bar you know he hit 90 to 93 the velocity was okay but the command was a bit off from somebody who was there i was just told he's had better days but that just tells you how good he is his team won his team advanced in their section. All right, back to the twins. JT Shagwa is like three to four weeks away from returning to Rochester. Jake Reed is days away from his season debut, got hurt in late March. Looks like he'll end up at double A Chattanooga, but I guess there's a chance he ends up at triple A Rochester. He's one of those reliever arms that the twins feel like has a very bright future. I guess it might depend on some, you know, injuries or what have you. I mean, Nick Tepish just got her. Nick Tepish is on the DL for, for Rochester. So Rochester and Chattanooga are mixing and matching some guys with some injuries. So it might just be where Reed can slot in better, but I think he'll end up at double A Chattanooga, but don't quote me 
on that. Irvin Santana trade buzz is still out there. Nick Cafardo of the Boston Globe wrote about him in his Sunday notes column. I can tell you from a Twins front office official, yeah, there have been calls. I mean, that's what GMs do. Are the Twins shopping Irvin Santana right now? No. Is there any thought that they will move him? No. Now, is it possible the Twins fall out of this thing in the next six, seven weeks? It's July 29th. Some team makes them a really good offer. You know, in that case, sure, I think they would entertain it. It's not like, you know, they can't trade him whatsoever. But I'm just telling you, as we sit here, as I'm taping this on May 29th, the Twins are not close to moving Irvin Santana. They are not shopping Irvin Santana, but certainly they will listen. On Brandon Kinsler, free agent after the season, I'm told no extension talks. Should I was curious, checked no extension talks on the Kinsler front. He would be another name to watch as we approach the July 31st non-waiver deadline. Doesn't have a strikeout pitch, doesn't induce swings and misses, but that sinker plays. You know, they might be able to get a decent prospect for him from a team that is looking for a reliever. Now, if the Twins are in it, if they are two or three games up on July 30th, not convinced they end up moving Kinsler. But if they're out of it or if they're four or five games back, maybe have a chance to make a run, but it's unlikely, I can see them moving Kinsler. But nothing on the Kinsler trade front going on right now. Twins international free agent buzz. They have over $5 million to spend on July 2nd. The buzz is out there about Marte, the shortstop from the Dominican. He's one of the top five guys in the 2017 international free agent class. All sorts of signs pointing to him signing with the Twins on July 2nd. Here is a new name, though. Here is the scoop for you. Venezuelan outfielder Carlos Aguiar, A-G-U-I-A-R, Carlos Aguiar, told he's the second youngest top prospect from the Dominican Prospect League. So he's from Venezuela, but he plays in the Dominican Republic. You know, some people have made the comparison him to Carlos Gonzalez. Again, Venezuelan outfielder Carlos Aguiar, a name to watch when the Twins sign international free agents. Also on the Twins... It was like a week, week and a half ago. Had a nice talk with Byron Buxton. It was brief, but it was nice in the clubhouse. It was after one of the Hope Week events. He was out there like at 11 a.m. or noon on a game day. It was a Friday, so they had a game at 7 o'clock. He's at the ballpark very early because he likes to do it. He likes to hang out with kids. So I started my conversation saying, hey, they don't need to twist your arm to get you to hang out with kids, to do a clinic with kids. That dovetailed into some talk about his son, who now understands what daddy does. Then we talked a little bit about the the on-the-field product. So here's my conversation with Byron Buxton. They don't have to twist your arm to do something like that. Most definitely not, you know. Having a kid and and him being in the being able to do the things that he'd be able to do, you know, is puts it in perspective to to want to give back to the ones that can't get out often or can't come out all the time, you know. So just to be able to get out there and interact with the kids playing playing the games, you know, is means the world to them and it, it, it puts a good good feeling in you to, to see so many smiling faces running around. Is your son starting to grasp what you do for a living, what daddy does on a day-in and day-out basis? Uh, a little bit. Um, you can tell he's starting to pay attention a lot more because, say, I, I strike out a game and it's, it's funny, but as soon as I walk in the house, he'd be like, Daddy, you struck out tonight. And I'd just start laughing. I'd be like, brother, you know what? <laughs> You're right. And, like, it just puts it in perspective that he don't really, really care. You know, he, he says it smiling, just as happy as he can be. And it just puts it in perspective for me to, you know, let it go. You, you got to come back out here tomorrow and, and go at it again. So, you know, go home and enjoy the family time while you got it. Did he say, Daddy, you hit a home run a couple of nights ago? He did. Uh, and then he asked, what's that for him? And I was like, yeah, buddy, that's for you. And 
like he gets all excited about it and um he's like all right when when you get home early one day we got to go to the field so um probably so tomorrow nothing happens no rain and, and you know good game and stuff like that we load up everything and, and take him to a ball fest somewhere so he can get some swings in uh, was it always a matter of time that the swing was going to come around? Um, it, it is. You know, it, it took me too as well to to realize, to trust and believe in myself that I don't have to try to go up there and and do and try so hard. You know, I can go up there and be myself and and relax and have fun. Um, I think I was putting too much pressure on myself to to want to get a hit and to to want to do things that I wasn't capable of doing and. Um, just you know that my teammates and, and coaches been been on me and been on me about you know relaxing getting back to yourself and you know slowly getting there but you gotta keep keep staying on the right track and on that process we're always used to you making the wild plays in the outfield but max and eddie oh yeah too. i mean you think about the ground collectively the three of you cover out there it's off the charts um you know we all just try to try to be aggressive we all want to push each other to to make those great diving catches or make those tough plays in the gap and um i think the competitiveness that we have within ourselves that's what allows us to to go out there and be free because we know we got each other's back whether whether we we make a bonehead play we make a bad play make a good play you know we we know whatever happens that we got each other's backs and and that allows us to go out there and not not worry about making those mistakes and messing up. We can go out there and play free and, and, and focus on the positive things. I recall interviewing Buxton a few days after the Twins took him when he made his visit to Target Field to sign his contract, undergo his physical. He was pretty shy. Byron Buxton is turning into one of the better Twins interviews. Fun conversation, albeit it was brief, but I wanted to get it in because he was pretty good talking about his son and his son now understanding what daddy does for a living. All right, Vikings, Chad Greenway's retirement party was over the weekend at Lord Fletcher's. No shock, it was a good time. A good time was had by all. Will Sutton, defensive tackle, I'm told, had six offers from teams after the Bears let him go. But his camp saw that, hey, Sharif Floyd, unlikely to return. You know, Dayton Jones on a one-year deal. I mean, there are some question marks at defensive tackle next to Linval Joseph. They thought, hey. With Andre Patterson, one of the better defensive line coaches in the NFL, that is a good situation. So the Vikings beat out a number of teams to secure Will Sutton's services. Mike Zimmer due back in town on Monday, Monday, June 4th. He will see the doctor. The hope is the doctor says, okay, get back to the practice field. He still cannot see, though. I think we're not stressing that point enough. He still cannot see out of that eye. So he is blind in one eye. He's undergone eight procedures. It's entirely possible Mike Zimmer never sees out of that eye again. That being said, he's very determined. He can still do his job. He can still see out of the other eye. So there are no signs pointing to him walking away. Unless a doctor says, Mike, you just can't do this anymore. You know, you coaching will put so much stress on your good eye. You just can't do this anymore. But no, that has not happened. There are no signs that will happen anytime soon. So if Mike Zimmer needs to coach with one eye, so be it. Continue to hear good things about undrafted free agent defensive end, the kid Bauer from LSU. I think he sticks around, whether it's the practice squad or he makes the 53-man roster. I can see him sticking told the Vikings did not budge on the rookie contract offers they offered before rookie camp. You know, it took a while. The NFL Players Association making some recommendations to agents about some of the language in these rookie contracts. The Vikings still have a number of rookies unsigned, although there's 
there's little to worry about on that front. The Vikings still feel like, you know, internally that they'll have these guys, Dalvin Cook, Pat Elfline, others signed very soon. In fact, many talks have occurred already, but the Vikings did sign five draft picks. I'm told they did not budge on what they initially offered. So even though the Players Association made some recommendations, here the Vikings did not budge when it came to those recommendations. We'll finish with Gophers basketball and Gophers football notes. On Gophers basketball, Richard Pitino told people on the Gophers road trip last week that he thought later in the week he would find out, Gophers fans would find out, who was coming to Williams Arena in November, part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You know, we did not find that out. Now, we should find that out this week. Had one Gopher staffer guess with me that it'll be Notre Dame, could be Miami, Maybe it'll be Louisville setting up the Rick Pitino-Richard Pitino matchup. Continue to hear that Duke is unlikely, even though I know there was some message board fodder that Duke was in play. I guess maybe it looks like Duke will go on the road for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So I guess maybe, I can just tell you, though, I guess the point of me bringing this up is I can tell you that somebody is plugged in, somebody with the Gophers opined to me that he thinks it'll be Notre Dame. Nate Mason is back working out, has full clearance from that hamstring injury. A point guard, the Gophers are heavily recruiting. Trey Jones of Apple Valley, class of 2018, high ankle sprain, got hurt over the weekend in Nike EYBL play. I am told by somebody close to Trey, quote, it's better that it happened now compared to July. The Peach Jam is in July, but a high ankle sprain, never good for a basketball player. Matt Hurt is back for his AAU team. He is back from that left-hand injury, still being heavily recruited by just about everybody in the country. 2019 forward from Rochester, John Marshall. On Gophers football, the Noah Shannon decommit, the defensive tackle from the state of Illinois. I am told it surprised the Gophers. They did not see it coming when he visited here. He visited with some family. But it's just another reminder, teenagers, a lot of people in their ears, let's just fast forward to signing day, right? Verbal commitments only mean so much. The Gophers lost a kid to Michigan. Now they lose this kid who may end up at Iowa. Who knows? They lost a kid from the state of Georgia who committed, but apparently his family wasn't all the way on board. It's just, it's crazy. Now the Gophers still have, what, 11 or 12 verbal commitments. They are sitting very pretty for the class of 2018. But it's just another reminder that verbal commitments only mean so much. Also on Gophers football, it's a big recruiting day on Friday. Friday, June 2nd, a number of 2018 players will be on campus. The string of Gophers camps begins. A couple leftover notes. Nia Coffey made her WNBA debut in town. Nia Coffey plays for San Antonio. They fell to the links on Sunday night. About 35 family and friends were at the X cheering on Nia, the older sister of current Gopher, Amir Coffey, their dad, of course, is former Gopher and Timberwolf, Richard Coffey. Also almost connected in person with Frank Ragnow. I think he has a chance to go very high in the 2018 NFL draft. Chanhassen High School, starting center for the University of Arkansas. He was back home for a stretch over Memorial Day weekend, but he is now back in Arkansas on campus getting ready for summer workouts. Then next thing you know, it'll be training camp, then the season, the Arkansas Razorbacks. By the way, the Arkansas coach, Brett Bielema, was at Vikings practice last week, him and a couple of his staff members. More love for Gabe's by the Park, Lexington Parkway, and Energy Park Drive. Happy hour daily, 2 o'clock until 6 o'clock, $5 burgers on Mondays. They have 1095 steaks on Wednesdays with a side. 
an extensive food and drink menu. I'm telling you, I love their walleye sandwich. Great spot to watch an NHL finals game, a Stanley Cup finals game, or an NBA finals game. I think finally in the NBA playoffs, we'll have some excitement. I think Cavs Warriors has a chance to go six or seven games so far. It's been a lot of blah, but I think finally we get what we've been wanting so badly. The third matchup, Cavs and Warriors. Who wins the rubber match? Although, who knows? There may be a fourth and a fifth, the way those rosters are constructed. But anyway, lots of TVs at Gabe's by the Park. Energy Park Drive, Lexington Parkway, close to Como Park, close to Como Zoo. If you're going to Como Zoo, if you're looking for a lunch spot before or after, check out Gabe's by the Park. It's been renovated. It's a solid place. Trust me. We did a scoop podcast there a couple weeks ago. Rick and those guys, they will take good care of you. Be sure to support the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. The Scoop Podcast doesn't exist without people like those at Gabe's by the Park. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode number 77. We will be back, whether it's later this week, to do that NBA podcast I want to do with Randy Whitman and David Thorpe and others. was swapping some messages with David Thorpe recently, and Randy Whitman, for that matter. He was at the Kentucky Derby doing some other stuff. Also, Sam Mitchell. We'll have to get Sam Mitchell on, especially before if he ends up taking that New Orleans assistant coaching job. I know he wants to get a college job, but he misses coaching, so he may end up on Alvin Gentry's staff in New Orleans. So I don't know what his media capabilities will be once he takes or if he ends up taking the new orleans job so we could do an nba centric podcast soon whitman mitchell thorpe it's just a matter of matching up all our schedules thank you so much everyone that does it for scoop podcast episode 77 the excitement the intensity the chance to end up on the kiss cam nothing beats the live experience and there's no better place to get tickets to see games concerts and more than at vividseats.com and the vivid seats app A deadly police shooting in Oklahoma. I'm Jackie Quinn with an AP News Minute. Police are out in riot gear in Tulsa, Oklahoma, after a protest over the fatal shooting of a black man reported to have mental issues. Police say that he was heading into a store armed with two knives. Officers used lethal force to protect the people inside the business. Two congressional committees want to see evidence like James Comey's leaked memo and any White House tapes, if they exist, of the conversations between President Trump and fired FBI Director James Comey since the president is refuting some of yesterday's testimony. James Comey confirmed a lot of what I said. And some of the things that he said just weren't true. Roman Polanski, sexual assault victim, 13 at the time, has asked a judge to end the 40-year-old case against the fugitive director. It's very interesting to uh, make it worse than it was and call it horrific and assign all these words to it. But that's not what happened. Prosecutors insist he must return to the U.S. Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 and 23.